Trudy Morton Cole. Welcome back once again to Shelf Esteem, the podcast. My guests this week are Andrea Callanan, poet and essayist, and musician Diana Daly. And I invited them here to talk about the book club that Andrea started and they're, that they're both a part of, which has kind of a unique focus. So I asked them here to talk about their feminist book club, and I hope that you'll enjoy the conversation as much as I did. podcast by asking people what they've been reading lately but with this one I should give a bit it's of a little different yeah, yeah I should give a bit of backstory which is that I had yeah. Megan Coles and Robert Chafe in yes. here a little while ago doing a podcast and Megan in the midst of talking about what she was reading said and I'm in this intersectional feminist book club <laughs> and I was like well that sounds interesting enough to be a podcast in and of itself so that's why I invited you guys yeah. Love it. Wow. So, yeah, I can talk all about that. That would be great. Yeah. So, we're, go- to know so about- we're going Are yeah. we going now? We are going, going. now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just checking. Yeah. Um, so, after the Women's March, right. um, a lot of us were sort of having these feelings of what do we do now? We just yes, had this incredible yeah, moment, and yeah. even though in St. John's we were snowed out, <laughs> it's we snowed out. Women's March from home. Um, but, you know, we sort of witnessed this incredible moment of people coming together mm-hmm. all over the world. And uh, then we were all sort of processing and reading different reactions. And one of the reactions that kept coming up was, you know, and, and this is, you know, largely on Twitter, um, you know, people saying, this is all great. It's great that you did this now. But uh, for white women who are participating in this, just know that the feelings you're having now, many of us have always had these feelings. Yes. Many of us have always yeah. lived with these anxieties, have always lived with these threats to our freedom and our safety. Um, so please don't ignore those voices. Please take, take us into account. Mm-hmm. And so that reaction, I think a lot of people, um, it gave everyone a lot of feelings. Like here we were doing this wonderful thing and all these people were going, well, yeah, I know, but where were you when such and such thing? Where are right. you when, you know, young men are shot? Where are you when all these things happen? And so there was a lot to process there. And one of the ideas that kept coming up is just to, you know, take advantage of the information that is out there, the writing that's been done by women mm-hmm. of color, by feminists from different backgrounds, um, and not assume that we know everything. Yeah. <laughs> and as someone, you know, I was raised a feminist. I've always been a feminist. Right. I did the better part of a women's studies degree in university uh, when I was doing my undergrad. And so I've always sort of felt like I've been on top of feminist issues, but then, of course, the feminist issues I'm on top of are only the ones that I've experienced myself. There's only so much background that you can have coming out of your own experience. So I said, okay, what I'm going to do this year is I'm going to make a reading list of, uh, you know, feminist literature from people of different backgrounds. So black feminists, indigenous feminists, and also uh, transgender feminists and transgender mm-hmm. individual writers, uh, just because there are holes in my knowledge, the stuff that I can't know, mm-hmm. uh, experiences I haven't had. And I can either go on Twitter and go, well, you explain it to me. Tell me what, what if, if you think we're doing such a bad job, you tell me, you know, like, yes, I don't yeah. want to be that jerk. Exactly. Uh, and the work has already been done, right? There are all these incredible books out there. So I said, okay, this is just a thing I'm going to do. I'm going to do this for myself. I'm going to read some books. It's going to be great. This is a thing I can do to make myself a better person, right. a more understanding person. Uh, and then various friends of mine said, we should have a reading group. We should have a book club. And I said, oh, I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to take that on right now. Um, and then... Another friend uh, who was in the group said, um, I can offer my living room. And then I said, okay, this is actually kind of manageable. Uh-huh. Uh, so I put together a reading list just on my own. It's a total dictatorship. I think this is what we're reading. <laughs> and nobody has complained so far. This has been fine. That, um, it kind of simplifies it, it in a way. Yeah. Well, and, and because it had never, I had never sort of come into it with a book club model yeah, in yeah. mind. You had the list first before you had the group. Exactly. Yeah. I had the list. I'm like, this is what I'm reading. Anybody who wants to read long please, you know, join in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started a Facebook group and I added like maybe 10 or 12 people. It was like a handful of people who I've known for a really long time, you know, right. friends I've had for years. And then a handful of people I would like an opportunity to know better. And I mm-hmm. said, maybe they would want to read these yeah. books with me and then we could be friends. <laughs> and so I did that and the reaction was positive. 
and then some of those people added some people to the group and some of those people oh. added and now the group has uh, 123 people in oh it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the Facebook group. Now when we yeah. meet up for read-alongs it's you know 8, 10, 12 people. Oh, okay. It's entirely manageable. But the Facebook group has 123 people okay. um, who are you know posting articles and reading things as they uh -huh. come up and reading the books and not necessarily engaging in conversation but are you know reading the books right. in their own time so it's totally weird <laughs> and amazing um and reaction has been really great and when i go places people say i heard about your book club <laughs> Like the worst kept secret book club in St. John's. But people are really enjoying it and I'm enjoying it so much. It's oh, just been good. the most amazing experience so far. Okay. Yeah. And what's your experience with the, with this book club as not the founder of it, but coming into it, Diana? Uh, well, mm, I think we were sitting around, you told me about it in your, we were sitting, Dre and I like to sit around and talk about <laughs> why we feel the way we feel about things <laughs> right. and she helps me because she's really articulate and uh -huh. more well read than I am because she actually is a writer uh -huh. and a more avid reader than I am so what did well that, and I was like you know what yes I'm I'm sick of this and the whole the factor of that um trying not asking our friends who are women of color to educate us all the time is a big, yes. that's a big driving force for me because mm -hmm. they're exhausted. Yes. They're really tired. They have a huge fight ahead of them. And also I'm very keenly aware, I think anyway, of um, cultural appropriation and white savior complex. Mm -hmm. So I am always trying to, to uh, kind of the, the idea of like pass the mic sort right. of thing um so i'm always very aware that yes i've had my struggles in my life i'm part of a group of feminists but um i really i have a limited knowledge of what my my friends and colleagues go through right. and when i talk with them about it which is you know what else are you going to do you talk with them about it but sometimes they have said i'm just exhausted yes. i can't i can't educate so and so like i've gone yeah. through that with certain issues on you go turn into when people call you a keyboard warrior on <laughs> yeah. Facebook or whatever. But it is exhausting. It is. It, it, is, it is really yeah. tiresome. And so when Drea just said she said, Well, the work is out there. Mm -hmm. We just have to go get it. Like we just it's available to us. Mm -hmm. Read it. And thank God because it's excellent stuff and it's it's ignited my uh my reading brain again, which uh -huh. I'm loving. I'm reading more books now because because of this, it's opened up all these channels right. for me. Um, so, like, beginning of the year, before the book club started, I had two books. I had Kim Gordon's autobiography and Maya Angelou's I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. And I was like, these are awesome books to be reading right now. But then I started in with the book club, and now I'm reading I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. And after reading Audre Lorde's collection of essays... Right. And I've always loved Maya Angelou, and I love Calypso music, and I, uh -huh. I just, I've always loved her, but now the book, now the book I'm feeling like, oh, I, I'm seeing all sorts of links that I probably wouldn't have seen before right. if, if intersectionalism wasn't uh, clearly laid out and explained and devoted, some time had to be devoted to it. Like, yes. I, I, I feel like I'm a pretty aware person, but I needed to devote time to actually understand what this big word means. Yeah. And people always think we're saying intersexual. <laughs> well, maybe maybe since it is a podcast and people yeah. are only hearing it, we want to take a moment to unpack that and say, what do you mean when you say intersectional feminism? Okay. Just intersectional. Do you want to do that? Uh, well, we can... We can both do that, I suppose. Right. The, so intersectional feminism was a phrase coined by a black American uh, educator and theorist uh, named Kimberly Crenshaw. And she introduced it to identify the ways in which different aspects of a person's identity and experience cross over to create this multi-layered sort of oppression. Mm -hmm. So um, if I am, you know, if I were coming from a place where I am a woman and I'm a cisgender woman and I was raised in poverty. So my experience of uh, being a woman in a misogynist world and of someone who grew up with the you know trauma of poverty creates this identity that right. both of those things influence the way I experience the world and then if one were to add other layers of that so right. if I were indigenous or if I were black there would be the added 
um, sort of aspects of surviving intergenerational trauma and surviving racism and all of right. these things. So the way that, you know, sort of onion-like or whatever, mm -hmm. the, the way that different aspects of different marginalized aspects of people's identities build up to create this far more complicated relationship mm -hmm. uh, with the larger world and a complicated multi-layered experience of you know marginalization or oppression so that's mm -hmm. kind of where we're coming from when we're looking at these books so in choosing the writers uh, I wanted to look at yeah people who had experienced you know multiple levels and a complicated um, identity and relationship and who were able to explain to me, it's like, okay, well, I experienced this as a woman, but I experienced this other thing as a black person. So right. as a black woman, this, or as, you know, yeah. a, a black woman and also a lesbian, as, you know, mm -hmm. in the case of Audrey Lord. So we're looking at all these different ways that people's identities tie together right. and what that creates. Okay. Yeah, because what I keep... Looking at the women's march as an example, right, and looking at the response from a lot of white women going, "But I don't see color," or oh, yeah. "But I, you know, I love gay people," or "Why aren't we all united?" It's yeah. because it's because you're ignoring, you're watching over all of the experiences that that all of these other women have had, mm -hmm. and so if you just mute that out. You can't actually understand. You can't smash the patriarchy <laughs> if you don't actually unpack it, like yes, you say, yeah. right? Because there are factors. And then also, another way that the patriarchy works is to make us fight amongst ourselves. Yes. So if I dismiss your experience as, mm -hmm. I don't know, uh, well, yeah, if I, if, I, if I dismiss your experience as a, as a <laughs> white poet... <laughs> Not a poet, but if I if I dismiss my neighbor's experience as like a white or as an indigenous um, lesbian, right. if I go well, you know, being lesbian isn't such a big deal yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, uh, that that silences all of the history that comes with yes. that, and it's not to say that like we're all oppressed and downtrodden and look at me. But kind of, kind of actually, yes. Like, look at this. What's yeah? Look or even yeah. listen. I think you just know, listen. Me, the key thing is so much just listening to other people's experiences. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And what's been really amazing in the conversations we've had around our books is that you know the the group the you know the the sort of core group that that comes to the meetups. You know, we are. I mean, it is. This is St. John's. We're looking at St. John's re book club demographic. So we're very white. Very, very white. Yeah. Um. You know, probably very middle class. Pretty yeah. middle class. Well, people. You know, there's there's a good split between people with like you know rural and urban backgrounds. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who didn't grow up in Newfoundland and have moved here since. Mm -hmm. Um. Age wise, we go from like 26 to 60, which is mm -hmm. a pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Um. But yeah, we're we're coming from a relatively overlapping experience but what's been really fascinating is reading these books and on one hand recognizing this is a sort of you know you know so say looking at uh, Roxane Gay's Bad Feminist was the first book we read so okay. like I don't have the experience of a black woman of a daughter of Haitian immigrants growing up in America I don't have that experience and I can recognize that things that have happened to her are very different from things that have happened to me but at the same time there are these obviously shared elements right. of humanity that we all can say oh I know what that feels like or I know what I know what that feels like on one scale so I can only imagine what that feels like you know when it's been amplified by various you know levels mm -hmm. of you know racism and exclusion all these things so we've had amazing conversations and what's come out of it has been the conversations are very personal because of the subject material that we're dealing with of course yeah. um, and that's been really amazing just in terms of sitting around with a group of people and going, oh, yeah. You know, it's sort of a, you know, sort of a consciousness raising type right, environment. Yeah. Um, but because all of our conversations are anchored in these very personal books, we have a focus. So we're not just sitting around, you know, lamenting, uh, you know, or anything like that. We're going, OK, I can relate to this in this way. And now what are we going to do? So this has been this really like active group in uh -huh. terms of sitting around and going, how are we actually going to 
do something to fix what we can of some of these problems, which is amazing. Mm. So the first, the first meeting we had, it's <laughs> like my first, this is my favorite story. Awesome. <laughs> the first meeting we had was about, you know, and most of us, you know, a lot of us didn't know each other. There were some people in the room yeah. who was meeting for the first time. And we were sitting around talking about, um, City Council, St. John City Council. Right. How do we get more women on City Council? We've yes. got an oh election coming up. Yeah. Um, so we're, and, and we're all going, yeah, you know, at a different time in my life, I'd really consider it maybe, you know, yeah. 10 years down the road. I would, yeah. but you know, and then Maggie Burton, who, right. young yeah. poet and, you know, uh, teacher and educator and leader, uh, says, well, actually, I, I, I might do that. <laughs> wow. now, now, obviously, this was not the first time it had crossed her mind, no, I'm sure. But, but I think in a room surrounded by people who were supportive and were yes, saying, yeah. we will, you know, we will wear our buttons and we will knock yeah. on doors. Oh, yeah. She was like, well, okay. And so that first meeting, she said, well, you know, I'm going to talk to some people. I'll think about it. You know, next month she comes back. She's got buttons printed. She's been meeting oh, with people fabulous. the whole time. Yeah, so yeah. this was like, <laughs> this is so me. And I mean, she's. Oh, I can't wait to vote for her. I'm oh, so excited to vote so for Maggie exciting. Burton. My, so, yeah, it so was fun. thrilling because, yeah, she was sitting next to me, and I was like, "You're nice," you know. <laughs> and then she said it, and I was like, "Oh, ah, oh, okay." Yeah. And she said, I, "We were like, because we were talking about how Sheila Larry is so fabulous and strong, yes. and if oh my God, she must be exhausted." Yes, and, yeah. Um, and why aren't there more? And that's yeah. Maggie said, "Well, I've always wanted to, oh, but I didn't know how." And then we have. You know, this other wonderful politician sitting across the table from us going, well, here's how you do it. Here's what you got to do. And so, like, all the resources in that room, like, we are a very varied group of women, but there's tons of resources in that room. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was kind of thrilling, I got to say. Oh, that is exciting. Yeah. 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 It was uh, was one of those moments where you're like, this is, and and we were 13 women. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) It's true. It was the coven. That's Ah, why. On, uh, on book club days on the calendar, I just write coven now. <laughs> That's awesome. I was going to say my favorite fun fact that I learned during all the research I was doing about um, uh, writing about Newfoundland suffragists was that the first election in which women in Newfoundland were allowed to run was St. John City Council. And three women ran for six seats. So plausibly, you could have had, had they won, a council of half women back in 1925 and of course that never happened Can you imagine? they all lost <laughs> but it's still staggering to me that you know almost 100 years later we're sitting here mm-hmm. saying gee it'd be nice to have more than one woman on city council yeah. you know sure yeah. and it's, but i know we've made so much progress and yet sometimes it seems like so little yeah. because there are so many barriers yes. to entering i mean everything from you know Men can enter politics with one good suit and a handful of ties. Women have to have something <laughs> oh, different yes, to wear every yeah. time. You know, there's so many things that we don't think about. The, you know, never mind the emotional labor. And, you know, yeah. if you're a parent and if you're doing all these, you, all these other things you have to do, it's so hard, which is why we need every time yeah. someone says, you know, every time a woman says, well, I think I might run for council, we need to jump on it. Go, yes, exactly. yes, what yeah. can we do to help? Yeah. So that's a very exciting moment. Mm-hmm. And then also people have just been... So I, I guess I should say the books that we've read so far. Yes, since we yeah. actually are here talking yeah. about books. Uh, so we started. I, I would have gotten you onto that too. <laughs> <laughs> so we started with uh, Roxane Gay's Bad Feminist, okay. which uh, she's an American writer, um, Haitian American, uh, and she uh, as she's very well known. She has a huge Twitter presence. Oh. She's uh, uh, writes for you know a number of uh, high profile internet bodies and she the book is a collection of essays having to it's largely a it's about race and gender mm-hmm. and also personal experiences and experiences of gendered violence and these sorts of things but she really focuses a lot on pop culture and representations of gender and uh-huh. race and class and pop culture which was super interesting for me and also mildly alienating because I, I am not a follower of pop culture uh. by any stretch of the whole thing so I was just googling like a maniac like I don't know who this person is I don't know what this is so but it but you know uh-huh. I have google I can do that yes, no biggie yeah. um and that was a really interesting read people responded very well to that I thought it'd be good introductory book to sort of meet everyone where we are because a lot of it was a little bit feminism 101 uh-huh. yeah which is fine for people who are 
entering that world? Well, it was a, it's a, what she calls a bad feminist because she. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask about. Yeah, so, you know, there's things that she likes that maybe there's perceptions around what a feminist should be or is or isn't. And, uh, you know, what what are some examples that she. Oh, she talks about, you know, hip hop music that she likes with that, you know, terribly misogynistic lyrics. And she's Mm -hmm. like, I like it. What can I do? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I like to dance to this music. Yeah. She kind of like takes the little lid off and goes like, you can be a real flawed human being and yes. still be yeah. feminist, which yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's yeah. W- one, of the, one of the points she comes back to is we expect so much of our feminist heroes. Like, we expect all feminists to be all things, which, of course, is impossible yes. because we're also human and we can't be all things. So people will make mistakes. People will, uh, you know, there will be feminists, feminist writers who you can admire for some things they said and then go, but I'm not really cool with your position on class or whatever, you know, which is really important because we tend to, because we attach so strongly to our heroes because we have so few of them that we put this investment in them that makes it, you know, it's almost impossible for them to do what they need to do, mm-hmm. right? Because they are exhausted yes. and they're human and they make mistakes and then they make a mistake and get so publicly called out on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of her examples, was this from the book when she's talking about, uh, is it Sheryl Sandberg she's talking about? Uh, Sheryl Sandberg's book, which is a very, you know, sort of... Lean in. Lean in. Lean in. We're lean in. Right? So it's a very uh, sort of... Um, corporate kind of feminism, right? And people go, well, why didn't she write a different book? It's like, well, she's not that person. This is the book that she had to write because this is her experience and these are the people she wants to read, right? So these are the people she wants to, uh, you know, talk to. And so, yeah, I I appreciated that, that that we can let our feminist heroes be human and Mm -hmm. also, you know, not let let them get away with saying terrible things, but recognize that not everyone's entire message is going to be applicable to our lives and there we have to examine uh what people say right. and yeah. take what is useful to us and the rest go eh, maybe, not. Eh, maybe not or just go this is not the book for me this is yeah. not the book that i needed to read or whatever so i thought that was interesting people really yeah people enjoyed that read that was a good one it was great i loved it yeah yeah, it's it's one of those books that I've picked mm-hmm. up numerous times yeah. and have been like, we'll get around. Which is yes. actually a great yeah. thing about a book club mm-hmm. is that you you know you have an excuse to read books sure. that you know, have been yeah. on your horizon, but maybe you haven't. Exactly. Yeah, I think the two the two essays of hers that did it for me the most, and these are two movies that I haven't seen and probably never will see, <laughs> but she, never will see. But she did. There's an essay I think, and I think they're back to back in the book. One on uh, the film The Help, and one on. Django Unchained and examining race dynamics in both oh, of those and sort of positioning them as different kinds of white savior mm-hmm. fantasies and the way she's written they're just great oh, pieces they're, mean, they're really yeah I have seen the help have not and will not see Django Unchained <laughs> yeah. just, I, can, yeah. just, I have a very low gore tolerance same yeah. here same here I have so, seen it it's yeah. uh, it's another one of those things where I'm like I don't understand I just don't I I don't understand, but her, yeah, her uh, explanation of it, I was like, I knew there was something about that that was bothering yes, me, but yeah. I couldn't put my finger on it. Anyway, it's a good yeah. book. Yeah. 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 I read that. Yeah. So after I that. I read it again. I, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. We, well, that's, I, I read books in, uh, you know, and then I come to the group and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to read it again. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to go home and read it with this conversation yeah. in mind. Yeah. Which yeah. is so exciting. Um, and so the second book we read was Audre Lorde's Sister Outsider, which right. is a collection of essays from the, uh, prim- from the 70s and 80s, mostly 80s, early 80s. Um, and uh, so Audre Lorde was, you know, of course, writing as a, uh, feminist, black, lesbian, uh, poet, socialist, all of these things. So her, and, and she really talks quite clearly about these, she doesn't use the term intersectional, I don't think, but about these, you know, sort of different layers of her identity. Um, and the essays are just so beautiful, because as a poet, of course, her writing mm-hmm. style is so gorgeous. And she can take something like, you know, a trip to communist Russia and make it into this like beautifully romantic I mean just gorgeous uh you know her her writing is so beautiful and she one of the things that really resonated well I think there are two things that we really a few things we really pulled out of that conversation one was 
members of the group who have uh, indigenous background really related to her conversations about race and exclusion, oh, okay. which was really interesting because there are several members who, you know, have Mi'kmaq background uh-huh. and, uh, and they were, you know, talking about the complication of that relationship, you know, any prim- in primarily white community, and people who are, you know, primarily white passing. Right. But having, you know, grappling with this um, sort of cultural, you know, history and legacy and all of the shame in Newfoundland mm-hmm. and in Canada about that identity. Um, and I, there are people who really very strongly connected with what she was talking about in terms of race. Right. So that was really kind of neat because... Here we've got someone coming, you know, like like small town Newfoundland, you know, going, yeah. you know, the, this American black lesbian writer is writing something that I connect to so personally, yeah. right? That was such like that was just really beautiful. Um, so that was really neat, and she talked a lot about she has she writes about the erotic in every day, and the erotic more more so in terms of I think how we would think of kind of the the central I guess or like mm-hmm. things your work coming from a place of complete love, which sounds like kind of flaky stuff, but really isn't. And when she writes it, you're like, oh, that is good. Um, I I can't do it justice at all. But, um, yeah, just focusing, because when you come at activism or anything you're doing in your life from this place of rage all the time, Mm. you burn yourself out and you're not able to do your work yeah, or guilt or guilt yes. yeah. both guilt. exhausting yeah. emotions right? totally yeah. exhausting yeah. emotions and they flatten you out they and, do and the thing that she's talking about with eroticism which I was like ah. like I tightened right <laughs> up I was like ah. but um, it was more about being your full self uh-huh. yeah. and what it takes to be your full self and your duty to be your full self mm-hmm. and uh, you're, if you have these gifts and talents that you've worked on you need to shine. You know, mm-hmm. you need to do it. Uh, and yeah, it was. That's a beautiful, oh yeah, chapter that was like. It was almost like I was thirsty for it, you know. And then and then practicing that in your daily life. So it's right. the sort of like lifting off the shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if you're if you're brilliant, be brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else was I going to say about her? I I feel like everybody needs a copy of that book yeah. that as like a mm-hmm. touchstone. <laughs> you know, when you need to touch base again uh-huh. and be yeah. like. Your Lord do in that situation. <laughs> She's so yeah. smart. Like what I particularly loved about that is, um, and for me for helping understand the intersectionalism sort of factor. And I, how would I know about what was going on in the in the black rights movement in the seventies right. except for reading this? And she's talking about it now when we turn on. Like there's so there's the black movement, but then there's the sexism inherent in that, mm-hmm. and the difficult conversations you have to have with each other, calling each other out on yes. when you yeah. oppress each other, even mm-hmm. though you're all in this big group together. Like yes, we're all black, in her in this case, but that now, now if you're now if you're being sexist towards the women, yes. and now if the women are turning on the lesbians, mm-hmm. like the lesbian women, not the lesbians, but like <laughs> yeah. the, if that's what's happening, like they're all, that's what I was talking about earlier, by the fighting in amongst yourselves, yes. yeah. then how can you move forward together, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that part for me was like, uh, it's just so clear. Mm-hmm. And she really is, be- you're right, she's a beautiful Oh, writer. phenomenal writer. Yeah. yeah. So that, so that was our second book. And our third book was uh, Fatima Mernissi's uh, book, Scheherazade Goes West. Okay. Which, uh, this, this came uh, when... <laughs> this one I have her. I love this yeah, one. Uh, you, it's uh, controversial. It's, oh. It was controversial in the group. There were some lovers and some haters. <laughs> oh, I can't wait but, to hear uh, well, part yeah. of the, Because of the, the group that's been created, it's you know people who are my friends, so a lot of right. them are writers. So right. writers are really terrible book group people because we're like, ooh, I wouldn't have included that. You <laughs> oh, know? yes. Yeah, yes. Or, you know, we're yeah. awful. Yeah. But um, so Fatima Bernissi was, and, and I included this book as a response uh, when the news around the first attempts at the Muslim ban came out. Mm-hmm. I looked and I'm like, there's nothing by Muslim feminists on this reading list. Right. I'm going to like tweak this a bit. So, and this is, I know nothing about the, you know, mothers of Islamic uh, feminism. So I just went online like anybody does, does yeah. and I Googled and I found there are so many book lists out there that are amazing. People oh, have just yes. taken the time to go, you know, 25 books by Islamic feminists. And I'm mm-hmm. like, all right. So uh, one that, and so um, 
uh, Scheherazade Goes West is one book that came up a lot. And Fatima Mernissi, she died a few years ago. She um, was Moroccan. She's a sociologist. She grew up in a harem and then later went on to write about that experience. She's got a huge body of work. Most of it, she, most of it is... It's hard to find in English. There's, it's very hard to find anything about her online in English. It's, it's all in okay. French and Arabic. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was one book that was available. And so the, the book is about her experiences. It's kind of a memoir um, talking about her experience of doing a book tour about one of her earlier books that was a, that was a, a memoir. So it's a memoir about a, a touring a memoir. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like meta-memoir. Like, yeah. <laughs> so she's, 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 she, it starts with this book tour uh, around a book that she'd written about growing up in Harem. So she goes to Europe and she's doing these interviews and whenever she talks about having grown up in a harem, these European uh, male journalists always go, oh, harem, eh? Because they've got this vision of, you know, ladies in veils and all of this stuff, right? And so she's like, I don't understand why they keep laughing. I don't, this doesn't, what do they think I'm talking about? So the whole book is an exploration of what these Western men think about when they think about the harem. Right. Which was really fascinating because on mm-hmm. one hand, I mean, it really, she's really like spending a lot of time talking about men and what they think and trying mm-hmm. to get into their heads. And at a certain point, it's like, ah, oh, these guys are idiots. Why do you want to <laughs> know what they think? But she has a stake in knowing what they think because it's about her culture and her background. It's right. misconceptions that are shaping the way they see her. And if that's the way the West sees her and sees her culture, then there's, you know, a larger personal and political impact to that. So mm-hmm. she's trying to get in their heads for a reason, even though it's incredibly annoying. And all of the men in the book are insufferable. <laughs> oh, no. They are the worst. All <laughs> oh, the worst mansplainers you ever yeah. met in your oh, life. Darling, oh, darling, all... darling. Let oh. me take you to a museum and oh, show they're... you your life. Oh, so she... Like that. Oh, yes, guys. so, yes. Yeah. Like so this. and you and you loved it. I loved it because I have people in my life like those guys, and I, <laughs> you know, I loved it because it went into art history and unpacked, like this is how cultural appropriation happens, right? Uh-huh. Like Matisse, Matisse, who we're all like, oh, Matisse, Matisse got it totally wrong. It's completely mm. wrong. It's fabricated. And hearing it from first, like, and and also like highlighting the like. Even though I am from a harem, I am that woman. People still don't believe you. Like, even though you're actually the real deal yes, article. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Let me take you to the ballet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? like, oh, my God. But she's also a beautiful writer. And oh, then yeah. she also highlights, um, I think I saw it. It was like something on Facebook one time about like, uh, you know, it was like white or Western women looking at, at Muslim women going, oh, my God, you're so oppressed yes. like, with any sort yeah. of headscarf on. And yet the Muslim women are looking at these Western women in like back-breaking high heels and plastic surgeries. Yes. And it's yeah. like, who's, yeah. come on, man. Oh so just, poor woman, she's so yeah. oppressed. Yeah. yeah. I've seen that as like a cartoon. That's a good one. It's yeah. So powerful. And she, th- there's part of that in this book too, which mm-hmm. is really fabulous because, um, like I usually live in Quebec, actually. I'm from here, but I usually live in Montreal. And, oh boy, do we get into big fights over what people wear on their heads in oh, Montreal. And, mm-hmm. and the violence that re- surges all the time towards mosques and it's much more women. controversial in Quebec than in the rest of Canada isn't it yeah, yeah. hugely yeah. Yeah. Quebec has a big issue with it but there's so many Muslim people like there's yeah. just so many but and Quebec really wants to keep Quebec kicked a church out already so I, I well Montreal mm-hmm. yeah. more so than, yeah. than mm-hmm. the townships and stuff but I understand why there's like this older class of feminists in Montreal, mm-hmm. particularly, who are like, you know, I don't want, we worked really hard to get rid of this, like, you know, institution that shamed us for our bodies. Right. So and why would we welcome another? Yeah. Right. And however, they come across as total uh, snob, classist, nasty women. Like it doesn't, yeah. they don't, they haven't taken the time to actually meet Muslim women yes, yeah. and that's the frustrating thing because like when I learned French I was in because it was like a welfare program that we were on mm-hmm. so I was in with people from all around the world so a, a lot of my um, classmates were Muslim mm-hmm. so like Tammy from Boston totally converted to Islam <laughs> which I was like whoa <laughs> like, wowie yeah. you know and and then Muslim women from 
different parts of the Muslim world are not all the same, much no, like like much. Christians. Yeah. So yeah. like you know, uh, anyway, all that to say, I loved the I love the firsthand knowledge uh-huh. of uh, I'm a Muslim woman, and actually I'm brilliant and and beautiful, and I work hard, and I do all these things, and that part for me was what I think what pulled me in the most. But I'm not a writer. Like no. you, got, you said no. the book was controversial in the in the book club. So what did people oh, I not think there like were just some it? people who there there were some members of the book club who just reacted very strongly against this emphasis on men in the book and like wanting to know what they were all about and also on you know technical levels like are these even real men are they are they fabrications and you know and and you know whether or not that matters depends on your you know i'm totally fine with them being you know these characters just having been created for the sake of advancing the plot yeah we do that with women in movies all the time yeah women in there who don't exist to advance the plot so um uh no and i mean none of the controversy was Political controversy was aesthetic controversy, oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> but uh, but people you know some people reacted to it more uh, personally than others. But all of us got something out of it, and just small things like there are whole uh, sections where she's talking about she's comparing the artistic representations of say you know Turkish baths mm-hmm. to the reality of you know this experience where it's like yes people are bathing and they are you know taking care of their bodies and moisturizing doing all of these you know very sensual things but it's for themselves it's not mm-hmm. you know people aren't like displayed around these baths yeah. sort of you know mm-hmm. l- looking at each other's eyes you know in yeah. the nude in the steam like that's not the reality that she you know coming from her experiencing actually this is just you know we yeah, people like to be clean you, yeah. you gotta go to a bath it's really relaxing it's very nice it's everything smells nice and you're putting on you know oils and lotions and you feel really great and and I've started moisturizing a lot more. <laughs> so it was because she talks about um, the, the the individual, you know, mm-hmm. individual women and their relationship with their bodies as a very sort of personal thing. That's not about spectatorship. It's just about this is your body. You live in yeah. it. You want to feel nice. Well, spectatorship is an interesting word there too, because I mean, you know, having done some research on harems for something mm-hmm. I was writing years ago. Um, all these images of the harem presume the male gaze. Sure, you know, the yeah, idea that yeah. this is this yeah. is how men imagine women when, when <laughs> men are not watching them, and yeah. the reality is quite different. <laughs> the reality is I'm just exfoliating. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah, so, and so because of that, it's actually changed. Well, I don't know, it changed my perception of my body, but caused me to think. You know, I, I think a lot of a lot of I'm gonna say thinky people. I don't want to position myself as an intellectual, but somebody. Spends a lot of time inside your own head. Thinking person, thinking people. You spend a lot of time inside your own head, and you can you can sort of find yourself at the point where your body is just kind of like your brain holder. Yeah. Right. Your body's yeah. just your brain holder. You're going around doing brain things and everything mm-hmm. else. You know, and you can maintain that for a while. But you know, I'm almost forty, and you know, your skin starts to lose its natural elasticity <laughs> with time. And I'm just going like, this is what I live in. Yes. I should, you know, yeah. I should take care take of it care and be of nice it. to it. And it. Kind of is really nice to just take, you know, a few minutes and just like go, okay, this is this is what I live in. I like yeah. it. I'm taking care of it's it. It's interesting too because that's another stereotype of feminism is, you know, not caring about the body. Sure. And feminists, yeah. you know, not not moisturizing or putting on makeup <laughs> or you know Yeah. Uh, and, and that's uh yeah, that's another one of those things that's just it's 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 a stereotype. It's, it's a total really, yeah. stereotype and it's so it's so silly. I mean if if we are I mean, it always comes down to honoring, I mean, you know, for me, what, or a big part of what feminism is or should be is honoring our experiences and our full selves, our full people, um, regardless of how you see yourself as a woman or what kind of space you occupy or whether you're a cisgender woman or a trans woman or anything else, whoever you are, it's about honoring your full self and your body is part of your full self. And I know that it's impossible to have an uncomplicated relationship with your body in this world <laughs> as a woman, or probably as anyone else. I don't know. It's just, you know, I know plenty of men who have very difficult relationships with their bodies. And yeah. so we can't just go around with our bodies as our brain holders. Yeah. That's, you know, that's yeah. a part of yourself that you're not honoring and connecting with. And, you know, it just seems like a, you know, a shame to live in this, you know, bodies are amazing. Yeah, they are. I don't know, they're amazing. 
amazing. Your skin is amazing. It keeps all the yeah. it keeps all your bits inside. It keeps all the infections out. It's incredible. You know, like when you think about it. All hail the skin. All hail the skin. <laughs> So uh, what else has the book club read? Well, well this is, this, that's as far as we've gotten okay. so far. Our next book in the lineup, which it should be. Oh, also, we one thing that I, I really enjoy, you know, it's a small yeah. thing, but awesome. about the group is we, because uh, a lot of our other books aren't ones you're just going to go pick up at, you know, at the bookstore. Yes, it's you know, yeah, a little harder to get your fingers access, on. Yeah. Uh, so we place orders through Broken Books in St. John's, oh, nice. our lovely independent bookstore. Yeah. Yay, and of course, yay, independent great. Bookstore. it's yay, so Matt. great. And yeah. yeah, Matt, yeah, and Matt is, of course, no stranger to radical literature coming oh. through his door. So he's always really excited. Oh, um, and it just feels great to go and be able to buy. Like, I'd like to order 13 copies of Sister Outsider, please, <laughs> and oh, hand him great. some money. And I'm goes, sure he thinks it's great, too. Well, he's been amazing. And... Uh, you know, because a lot of the books are harder to find. They do take a little longer to come mm -hmm. in because it's, you know, smaller presses and stuff like that. Uh, but he's been great. And usually he will order in a handful of extra copies because when the orders come yeah. in and people see the books, you know, in their yes. little stack behind the shelf, they go, ooh, who's that for? Presumably some of those 123 people that are in your ghost book club <laughs> would also like they to. They come you know. down and they like to pick up the books. Yeah. So he, you know, often when he's putting in the orders for the books, he'll, you know, chuck a couple extras in and they move quick. So that's, that's great. great. Um, so our next book we're going to be reading is um, Memory Serves by Lee Miracle. And Lee Miracle, also a poet, uh, she is an indigenous West Coast uh, poet. She's from the Stalo Nation and she's um, absolutely amazing. She's been writing forever. She's a sociologist as well. It's interesting there's a lot of sociologist yeah. poets keep coming up. Very interesting. Articulate people. Artic articulate yes. people. Um, and she's a, you know, I mean, she's involved in so many aspects of culture in Canada. If, if you're like a regular CBC radio listener, you will have encountered her yeah. at various points. She's got a huge body of work. Um, so this is a recent book that's a collection of orations uh, dealing with a... I mean, I haven't read... This is the interesting thing. I haven't read any of these books yet. Uh -huh. So I'm coming to them fresh like everyone else, which right, is kind of yeah. neat. Um, so that that'll be, that's a book of orations on different topics, and I'm so excited to read it because she's magnificent mm -hmm. and uh, incredibly influential and important. And actually, we had, I had hoped or had planned to be studying more Indigenous writers. Initially, we had a um, sort of a source book of Indigenous feminism, uh, but it's just a little too academic and kind of uh -huh. dense for, for everyone to get into. And it's also really hard to get your hands on. So said, so I think maybe we'll, maybe I'll like read some essays from that or something. Cause mm -hmm. there's, you know, cause, cause obviously, and this is the thing, obviously there's, we can't, we're not going to get a full understanding of indigenous feminist experience by reading one author. We're not going to get a full understanding yeah. of like Muslim yeah. women's experience by reading one well, author. Yeah, but all exactly. these are meant to be entry points, mm -hmm. you know, which I think people are taking it as. So that's, mm. That's fun. And yeah, well, speaking of reading a book over again, like I have the the one Inuit written, like Inuit authored book that I want to bring to the table is Sanak. And, and in the beginning of that book, uh, the guy who, he didn't translate it for the author. I can't remember her name right now. I'm embarrassed. But uh, he does a little forward and he says, like, you can read this three ways. You can You can read this book as a sociologist. Like, you can read it as a linguist. Or you can read it as a novel. Uh -huh. So, um, like, like what you're saying, for mm -hmm. like, I want to go back and read these these again. Uh -huh. uh, I want to bring that book to the to the table because yeah, because it's really it's a it's a collection of her stories that she mm -hmm. wrote, but it's one of the first books written in Inuktitut by an Inuk, which is amazing. <laughs> it's amazing for me. I yeah. don't know why there's not. I do know why there's not more. But anyway, it's a great read. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Too. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the other thing. Once we've made our way through this year's worth of books, list, yeah. then we, you know, we need to. I'm not going to be a dictator forever. We're going <laughs> to. Yeah. So that's what I was going to ask: Is this you're going to continue this beyond this initial? Oh, one year I certainly list, hope yeah. so. People see. I mean, people that are in the group, or at least who are speaking to me about it, are enjoying it so much. I mean, it's like you know, meet. It's hard to make friends. It's hard to make friends as a grown-up. Like, it's hard to just go and say, do you want to hang out? It you is know? hard. It's yeah, really it's difficult. Sure, yeah. So all of these new friendships and relationships have sprung out of this experience, which has been so, so cool. Yeah. Um, and people who otherwise, you know, 
you know, at St. John's, we all kind of, you know, have naughty acquaintance with people, but yes. people who otherwise might not cross paths yeah. now mm -hmm. can run into each other somewhere and have a chat. And so there's this feeling of, you know, support and camaraderie and friendship. So I'd be, you know, I, I, I'm sure it will change and morph and, you know, people's lives yes, are busy yeah. and people are going to come in and out of the group, I'm sure. But I totally see this going, you know, far beyond this year. Mm -hmm. And then we'll have to develop some, like, apparently other book clubs, like, vote on books and stuff. <laughs> like, there's a whole structure. Oh. I, was, I, I was a guest at, at a another book club at a very established... You know, they've been together for seven years. Yeah. Very, they're a serious business, and they've got, like, clipboards, and they vote. And something like, voting? There is such a, like, I've been a guest at probably about eight to ten different book clubs. I'm amazed just how many book clubs really? there are in St. John's. So, oh, yeah. If you so write books clubs. that book clubs like to read, you'll get invited to visit all of them. And it's so, they're so interesting, so diverse, because some are super organized mm -hmm. like that. Others have the thing of um, each member takes a turn to introduce sure. books. Yeah. So it's, and but then that that can get very weighted because someone will be like, oh yeah, that was that book that I brought that everybody hated, <laughs> <laughs> and then people people have this, and then you know some books are incredible, book clubs are incredibly casual and laid mm -hmm. back, and others are really really structured. There's. It's interesting the commonality because they are virtually all women. Mm -hmm. If there are men's book clubs, I've never discovered them. I've seen a few, uh, mostly women book clubs with one or two men in them, and the yeah, others yeah, are exclusively yeah. women. Almost all women of a certain age, i.e. my age or older, <laughs> and of course a lot of retired women because they have the time once right, they're right. out of the workforce, some with younger women. Um, and generally, um, you know, upper middle class women. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, I think that goes along with having the leisure and the education sure. and, and the, the time and money to, to spend on mm -hmm. buying books and sitting around discussing books. So there, there's a homogeneity to the kind of people who I think form book clubs, yeah. but there's also a lot of diversity in the way those book clubs function. And yeah. Why well, I was so interested in yours, because it sounds like something a bit different. It's, so, yeah. <laughs> it's such, I think it's kind of... Yeah, because yeah. I, like, I mean... I'm not upper middle class. Like mm -hmm. that's that's kind of my thing that I always yeah. bring to the table yeah. is that like I struggle financially, and I know I'm not the only person in the group for that. And and there's one thing that I what that I would love because right now, okay, so the uncomfortable part for me, it's not even uncomfortable, but the I think the thing that I love about this book club is that we've all acknowledged we're white mm -hmm. and we don't get it. We don't. We've missed yeah. some things, and we, and clearly yeah. we need to know more. And clearly, we need to yeah. to listen more. And also, most of us are cisgender too, so we've missed that. So we've got uh, coming yes. down the tubes. We've got a, a number of trans authors. Oh, yeah, going to be reading. Yeah. Going to be reading uh, Vivek Shraya's collection of poetry. Even this page is white. Mm -hmm. We're going to be reading Oh, um, Gender Failure by Ray Spoon and Ivan Coyote. And Janet Mock's uh, Redefining Realness. Oh. Sorry, I interrupted no, you. No, but that's exactly it. That's that's great. Is that? Yeah. Um, mm, it is uncomfortable. There's mm -hmm. times when it's uncomfortable, and you know, when you're out in the world and you're like, I, I, I need to know more. So it's not it's not necessarily leisure. Like, I feel like this is actually my job to yes, do, yeah. and part of my other yeah. millions of jobs that we all do. <laughs> but, like, like I feel like, mm, no, actually, I, I'm obligated, because I've, I've, heard, I've heard what these, like, passionate, wonderful women are saying. Mm -hmm. Like they said, you guys need to step back and listen to us yes. and recognize the, the white supremacism that happens in feminism. Like, uh, it yeah. happens. Yeah. It's, it's very much built on... Okay, I'm not going to get too much into that because I can't. I'm getting a little bit overheated. But, <laughs> but, I, once once somebody calls me out on something like you actually don't get it, Diana. Like you actually think you're getting it. You've got this. You know, maybe you're feeling like you need to do more good in the world, but you're missing the point. Then it's my job to. It, that is my job to go and figure it out and right. learn it. You to learn about like, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like like tell me about it, or if you don't have time, direct me to the place that I need to go to learn about yes, it. Yes, yeah. And, because otherwise, otherwise, I, I don't find ignorance is bliss very often, no. you know? And and I want more access to more wonderful people in the world. And mm -hmm. I, I do love meeting and knowing and being involved with people from all sorts of different backgrounds. My yeah. life is richer for that. So huh. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a Becky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. Even with the good hair. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't want to like. I don't want to do that. I and and I don't want to. I don't want to diminish what 
so many wonderful people are talking about. Uh-huh. And so the, yeah, like, but, but I just gonna have to acknowledge it. Like, yeah, I'm cisgendered white woman mm-hmm. from, you know, pretty sheltered place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do go out in the world and we should, we should know these things. Yeah. Yeah. We should. And it's true. One, another, another uh, woman in the group was leaving one night after the first one, we were all on this, like, you know, because you are not alone. And she, she was leaving the room. She was like, this is going to make St. John suck a little less for me. Like, you know, because sometimes you, uh, you know, sometimes I've been told it, I'm fun at parties, but I have been told. <laughs> one guy pulled me aside one time. So I was talking about this thing in Afghanistan with this like comedian who gone done this thing in Afghanistan. And I had said, oh, my God, well, I just read in the Smithsonian magazine that, you know, about this, um, their museum that had been bombed and these like statues that have been taken away and like all this like terrible stuff that had happened. And this other guy who my name was, uh, was also kind of famous, pulled me aside. I was like, uh, just saying, you know, uh, you talk about... Uh, Talk about pretty big things. <laughs> I was like, that? And he was like, I'm just saying, you know, it's a, it's, a party. it's a party. And I was like, but the other guy, he was talking about, well, wait a second. And I was like, is that because I'm a girl? Is that, I don't understand. Like, why is Mr. Funny Pants allowed to talk about Afghanistan going over and doing stand-up for the, the right. troops? Yeah. But I'm not allowed to recognize that Afghanistan has a beautiful cultural history yeah. that's yeah. being destroyed. Oh, Sammy, that's too much at the table. Like, so, yeah. you know, I yeah. feel like I feel very alone a lot of times uh-huh. when, when it's like, that's not a good time. But we have a great time. Come on. We're funny, oh, oh, warm, happy. We laugh so much. We laugh. Oh, I can tell like, just from having oh, yeah. the two of you here. <laughs> right? It must be a laugh. It's oh. fun. Yep. Yeah. And, and there's lots of, uh, yeah. And I, I just, uh, I don't even know what I'm going to say. You should come. You should come. <laughs> Well, we're coming to the end of our time, and I was going to say that with most of my uh, podcasts, I post a blog with lists of the books that were discussed Mm -hmm. and links to them. So I would love it if I could just post your whole list uh, and just tell people that, uh, you know, if you go to my website, TrudyMorganCole.com, and click the Shelf Esteem button, it'll take you not just to the podcast, but to the list of the books that your book club is discussing, and they sound fascinating. Can I just note that Trudy is wearing a shirt that says... Nevertheless, she persisted. Yes. Yeah, one of the the great quotes of, great feminist quotes of 2017, unintentionally. (laughs) Nevertheless, she persisted. Yeah, I found this in the Strand Bookstore in New York when I was down there last weekend. I was like, yep, got to wear this. Yeah, good job. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank Thank you. Thank you so much, Diana and Andrea, for coming here and talking about it. And uh, I hope you have more great reading ahead of you. Thank you. Yay, thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in on my conversation with Andrea Kahnan and Diana Daly and the story of their intersectional feminist book club. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you'd like to see their book list, once again, you can go to my website, TrudyMorganCole.com, click the Shelf Esteem button, and go to the blog where we list all the books we talk about. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks with some more interesting guests. Until then, read some great books and build your own shelf esteem.